hard to believe, but it's been four years since Jimmy Max closed. It was Oregon's top music club. It closed the day before owner Jimmy Macarunas passed away. Two key employees, J.D. Steubenberg and Lisa Boyle, took up the quest to make a new Jimmy Max, and they were poised to make that happen when the pandemic hit. I think most of us figured that if existing music clubs were closed, any chance of a new Jimmy Max was dead. Well, guess what? They're still at it and making plans to begin construction on the new Jimmy Max. JD is on Skype with me to tell us all about it and also about a new organization to aid musicians in distress. It's hard to imagine JD and Lisa's friendly faces bringing great music to us again. We can use all the hope we can get. JD and I kind of just fell into our conversation like we always do. Well, I guess we've started already, haven't we? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go any, down any more rat holes. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we, there, there should be a timeline of, of the thing, right? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, the thing is, um, I, I was interested you know, in, in hearing that you're going forward with the Jimmy Mack thing, because I, I, you know, I, I guess most people assume that, you know, it's since clubs, since so clubs long. are since clubs are gone, that Jimmy Max had no chance in, 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 in hell. But that's not true, is it? Well, no. I mean, it's it, you know, at this point, um, things are on hold right now. Yeah. But for uh, but for reasons other than COVID, there's just some there's some issues that we're dealing with uh, behind the scenes that I can't super go into that. But um, uh, but no, the are uh, there we're still working very hard to make this thing happen. You know, it's interesting. Um, uh, you and I chatted a little bit the other day about uh, about streaming services stuff, and that's that's something that we want to build into the new Jimmy Max. We, that was part of our plan from day one. But it's been interesting, you know, this last year with COVID, looking at okay, what other things do we have to do differently uh, as a venue going forward because things will be different yeah. to one degree or another. Uh, 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 you know, when everybody has, you know, everybody wants who wants the vaccine has it, so on and so forth. And so, like things like you know, update uh, up, updating the HVAC systems so you have better air filtration, better yeah. air exchange, yeah. uh, and um, and uh, you know, and, uh, you know, also looking at ways to, you know, separate out diners. Maybe we won't be packing as many people in the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. So it's uh, it's 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 definitely it's changed some perspectives and stuff. And the the the, the, the really interesting thing that plays into it uh, is you know now it's like okay you know we're going into the space downtown. But now we wonder, you know, what's happening downtown? You know, is that still is that really still the right place to be? Yeah. You know, or do you or do or, or do you move it to to the suburbs? There's an interesting thing um, that came out that I saw in the Lama Week a few weeks ago that a, a number of restaurants from the um, uh, um, uh, chef's table have now they're moving they're opening locations out in Lake Oswego. Oh, and it's like wow. they're it's and I don't know if they're like abandoning you know Central Portland. But they're like they're saying, hey, we're going to take, you know, if they, people won't come to us, we're going to go to them. And so it makes you it makes you start to kind of think about that. And, That's you know, really sad. It, it's very sad. I, you know, well, it, it's on, on, on one hand, you have just thinking in terms of business and, and saying, you know, what can what can we do? And, you know, what, will people travel to come to see us, which they will. But on the other hand, if you take that out of downtown, it's like it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, you know, it's like that's you know you want to be close to the hotels and you want to be close to you know all the things central in downtown. But yeah. you know if the hotels are empty, what the hell's the point? But the so, pearl is not downtown. Uh, mm, no, it's not. It, it it's not. 
and it's definitely not been as affected as what uh, as downtown has. Right. But um, uh, but in any event, uh, we are we are definitely still going forward with this thing. It's it's just taking time. You know, the uh, COVID slowed us down. I mean, we we talked with our uh, our um, finance guy, that our, our the gentleman who's taking care of the money for us, and uh, and we're like, with COVID happened, we said, you know, there's just no rush now. There's no reason to open a place at this point. But now we can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel per se, and say, mm-hmm. all right, you know, maybe by the end of this year or you know the, the fall or whatever, it's going to be all right. You know, we'll be able to have enough capacity, make this thing work, make it really viable. So now the ball is starting to roll again. And it's, uh, so, uh, it's still you and Lisa. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So and uh, so yeah. So now like I said, the ball is starting to roll again a little bit, and we're starting to kind of look at this fresh again like okay because you know you come up with all sorts of plans and numbers and everything else and then things change so you have to go back and as Lisa pointed out the other day we were talking we're kind of starting all over again in a lot of ways so mm-hmm. but yeah so it's uh it's uh it's it's still out there in the ether but we're definitely still engaged in it so are you yeah, still looking at the same uh, same place yeah yes yeah? yeah that's what we're working on right now so huh. and um and uh but hadn't, and, uh, hadn't you done some work in there already we had done a little bit of work in there. We'd done some. Uh, we'd done a bunch of demo work, so we'd taken a bunch of stuff out of there mm-hmm. and had um, sort of an excavation, so we could actually create a lowered uh, uh, sta- uh, space in front of the stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then that that came to a came to a stop. And um, and as we kept, we're starting to kind of look at other at, uh, other things right now as well, mm-hmm. so everything kind of halted. But it's the plans are still there, and uh, we're just like we're just kind of getting ready to. Kickstarted again. Were you planning for a dance floor? Well, yes. Well, uh, yes and no. There won't be a permanent space that's just dancing mm-hmm. because we need to be flexible. But we will have, instead of having a carpet floor, it'll be a, a hard surface floor. So when we want to move, mm-hmm. as we did in the last space, when you know, we re, we'll, uh, rearrange the dining room and open up a space in front of the stage, we'll do the same kind of thing there. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I, 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 I fully intend to be putting in salsa bands in there. Ah. I want to get those people to come out and dance because they love to come out and dance. They drink, they have a good time, and uh, and uh, there that crowd is looking for a venue like that. So, yeah, we'll definitely be doing that from time and, to time. And people like Curtis Salgado. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean Curtis or you know Solvax. There's so many bands. It, it's sure. interesting. You know, uh, there's a, there's an interview uh, that was done about the club a number of years ago. An article by, online about them. And they interviewed Linda Hornbuckle and they asked her about dancing. She said. She actually preferred having people sitting because they were, they were actually watching the show. And I'm like, you know, paying attention to what, mm-hmm. what musicians are doing. I was like, that was cool. Uh, but at the same time, it's like some bands, like you really, people want to get up and shake it. So yeah. we got to have, have yeah. to be able to make yeah. the space. Yeah. But again, you know, we wanted to be flexible. So when we want to just seat it, we can seat it. But if we want to make uh, space for dancing, we can do that too. You remember how small the dance floor was at the, at, at the, uh, uh, at the, um, uh, you know that the oh, what the candlelight room? The candlelight, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a that was a small space, and it was funny too because it was always right next to the band. Yeah, people would end up would end up like bumping into the guys and the, trying to play music. <laughs> it was that was always entertaining. I had a lot of musician friends who played there over the years, and they the, the amount of stuff they had to put up with there was pretty pretty remarkable. It was worth <laughs> it. Oh, absolutely! It was totally definitely right. worth. Now you didn't get to go there because you're you're always at, at at the other club. But uh... oh no, 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 I went to the candlelight room a lot because remember we you know we were closed by 
you know, midnight, especially in the later years. Oh, right. At that 1 right. And, uh, uh, you know, when the candlelight was still open, uh, there was a point in time where I lived with the walking distance of there. So wow. I was, I was wow. a very much of a regular in that place for a long time. Huh. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Yeah. We are there. There's a lot of stories that cannot be told from that place. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. <laughs> and I'm not telling mine either. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that's, that's a, it was a great it was a great place to hang. It was. Oh yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I was just uh, I was just talking about this uh, recently that um you know there was a time period where live music in this town would go late. You know, you walked in the candlelight room seven nights a week at you know one fifteen one thirty in the morning. There'd still be music playing. Oh yeah. Uh, you know that was a norm. But then after yeah. you know everything changed after nine eleven, and um you know was when when that went down. And uh, I remember that that day vividly. Jimmy saw us and said, "Look, we're going to have you know our business is going to shrink by probably thirty five, forty percent, maybe more. Uh. It's going to happen like that. So we got to change everything." He said, "We're going to cut. We're going to cut our labor by ten percent. We're going to cut our, all of our overhead by ten percent, and really tighten our belts." And he said, "If you got, you know, if you're planning on taking vacation or whatever, don't put your money in the bank and hang on to it because things are going to get tight for a while." And that that mindset that uh, being a fiscal conservative really served us well. I mean, we, if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have survived. Wow. Uh, but the funny thing is, coming out the, uh, coming out the backside of that, and Mel, Mel really hit this on the head. He said, you know, people are going to be nervous now. They're nervous about, you know, about their jobs. They're, you know, the, the whole, hey, I could stay out late and maybe me not so on top of my game the next day. He said, that's going to be out the window. And he hit it on the head because all of a sudden, the late night thing just, and people <laughs> stopped being out late. You know, our, our, our late night business, Really fall because you know we used to keep the basement open in the sure. old days uh, later, and that really that late night business really fell off. Mm -hmm. And the, the old the old late night hangs the variable quandary and uh, at uh, at uh, Cassidy's and stuff, those numbers really fell off as well. And all of a sudden it was like, wow, this is a complete ethos change, yeah. and, uh, and it never came back. And even the candlelight, they kept doing the music late, uh, but the crowds were you know you walk in and the crowds were not there late night anymore. And um, that was interesting. Even though you walked in and you'd see, you know, when you walked in the, the, the main entrance and you look back there behind the bar towards the kitchen, underneath the back, the back bar there was all this back stock of liquor. And Joe mm -hmm. always had that place stocked for like the siege of Leningrad. I mean, there was <laughs> so much booze down there because in the day they would roll through it. There was a point in time where those guys were the number one retailer in the state of Oregon. They still more booze than any other bar. Wow. And wow. Uh, oh, yeah, for big time. But, you know, those days went away, and it's all so you're sitting on this stuff. Yeah. And uh, and it's just, you know, that, like I said, that late night thing went away, and it just never came back. They hired so, me one time to play jazz, to DJ jazz at Ivory's uh, after the last set. And I knew it was a bad idea. But they were going to yeah. pay me money, and I so I did it, and no one ever showed up. I yeah. mean, so, there were some a few stragglers who would stay there, but nobody came to the to ivories first of all nobody came to ivories to begin with hardly but yeah. uh, second uh it, it was uh it was it was it was, it was very depressing it was very it's, i took it personally it, also yeah no it, it's hard you feel like you, it's like hey i'm gonna help you generate some business yeah and uh and, and you try i mean we uh you know we kept looking at that jimmy kept saying you know maybe we try to do a late night thing and i'm like it just the numbers just it just didn't it just the math that didn't work yeah you know, it's like we have to do so much, get so many people in the door just to be able to, again, to pay a band. You know, they have to generate enough, you know, income from the door to make that worthwhile. And it just wasn't, you know. And um, 
it was, uh, it was unfortunate. I mean, there's there was exceptions to that, of course. Every once in a while, we'd run something late. Uh, I remember uh, there was a Wednesday night when uh, Mel was playing, and uh, we got word that uh, that uh, somebody called down the club and said, "Hey, Wynton Marcel's coming down. They've been playing yeah. at yeah. at the concert yeah. hall." And so it's like, "All right, great." And so sure enough, Wynton and the whole band, all these guys start you know rolling in, and it's like. 10 30 or whatever so there's only maybe half an hour left in the show yeah but i had gone up and whispered something to mel sierra said hey these guys are coming down you know if you want to i'm like if you want to play a little bit later that's totally fine and so they ended up playing to like 11 30 11 45 yeah and we had a bunch of people that rolled down for the concert uh-huh. and it turned out to be a cool thing but that was pretty that was definitely the exception to the rule though yeah and and when i was doing that at, at ivory's it was like i had to like set my shit up really fast and i had, had, had i had a whole rig you know yeah yeah and and, and i remember one night there was this, this particular diva bass player who was just didn't want to hear it because he had just finished playing and it didn't he didn't yeah. give it he didn't care that somebody had to set up and work yeah <laughs> I, I guess i haven't gotten over that but then on the other hand i haven't gotten over the orioles losing the world series in 1969 to the mets <laughs> Okay, so. you'll, and you'll never, and you never will. No, well, I'm, never, I'm, you'll never get over that. I'm, so I'm Sicilian, you know. We we carry grudges. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's funny that uh, you talk about Ivory's, and I remember when they opened, and people were going, "Oh, it's competition." And Jimmy was like, "That's great." He's like, he didn't look at anybody's competition. He's like, "Look, we need more venues. Yeah, there's got to be more places for these guys to play." Yeah, and it was it was a uh, and it was good. You know, walked in there, it was a good. It, you know, the space was laid out well. I'm like. This, this and it looked good, but I, I'll never forget rolling up there and to see uh, uh, Chris McBride was in town, and oh, I hung out. With Chris Kelly Shannon there. promoted and, that show. Yeah, and so I rolled up there to go say hi to him, and uh, and um, I walked in, and I you know covered twenty bucks there. I'm like, well, done. And went to the bar and ordered a order a drink, and they they served me uh, you know my uh, Doors on the Rocks in a in a martini glass. Can you As hear opposed me? to, you know, Tumblr, an old-fashioned glass, which is what just froze. every other bar in the known universe would do. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you just okay. froze up. And I, had another, and then I had another drink, and oh, that's fine. So I got my tab, and my drinks were like, you know, these two just regular cocktails were like 13 or $14 a piece or something like that. And I'm like, and this time, those drinks were going around town for like maybe $8 a pop. And I'm like, what the hell are these guys charge? I mean, this is... But what is this? And and um, so then I so I, I mentioned it to the server, and uh, and she said, well, you know, but if you order it over ice, we automatically pour a two ounce pour. And I'm like, okay, that made sense. I'm looking at these drinks were pretty good size too. I'm like, uh-huh. okay. I said, now that makes sense. I'm paying. I'm, I'm I'm getting what I'm paying for. But I said to her, I said, you know, you probably want to mention that to your to your guests because. Some of them might not want to have that much alcohol, and they're going to kind of want to know where their money's going. And she's like, "Oh well, yeah, I guess that's probably right." And, I, and I'm like, "When?" I said, and I look back behind the bar, and I don't. So there's no tumblers back. There's no. There's no regular old-fashioned glasses like what you put, you know, uh-huh. a whiskey soda in or a vodka tonic, or whatever. And I'm just like, it was just strange. You know, they had the place was it was really pretty. You know, the white tablecloths and stuff. They really had. Yeah. A look and everything, and uh, and they put a lot of good music in there, but um, but the but the service and then up it was really odd. And I never I never ate there, but I had a lot of my customers who would come in to see me, and they were just like, oh no, oh everybody oh, hated the, everybody hated the food. 
Yeah, uh, apparently <laughs> the guy's partner was the chef. Yeah, yeah and, and yeah, he couldn't yeah. get and he couldn't get him to change his to change his ways. Right, and which is just I'm like that. That's that. That's the that's doom right there. So it's it's unfortunate because that that space. You know, they had great location. There were you know, foot yeah. taxes, the freeway, mm-hmm. and uh, and you could put a you could put a, a good house in there. Yeah, without uh, without having to pack the place and. Uh, yeah, and you know, you walk a distance from a lot of great bars and restaurants. And sure. It should have worked. That's just that's just unfortunate. Right. right. <laughs> so, uh, what what are you looking at? Are you looking at a- a- end of the year, spring? If, if, if I if I was if I had to if I had to take a guess right now, my my educated guess would be probably late late this year. Uh-huh. But it's but at this point, still, you know, we have not kicked off the construction yet. We're still trying to map out some behind behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, just just trying to cross a few eyes and uh, and uh, cross a few T's and dot a few eyes, as it were, before we start the construction pro- uh, process. So I mean, so I, w- I wouldn't want to commit to anything until yeah. until we start swinging hammers. Yeah. But that would yeah. be my best guess. Just given where we're at with COVID now and where we're at with our behind behind scenes stuff, that's kind of what I'm aiming at. So. Well, you gotta gotta, you gotta gotta hand it to you and Lisa for sticking in there. Well, we're we're fortunate that we um our our uh, the guy that we're working with who's uh, who's financing everything is helping us out and he's actually uh it's it, it's good and it's good he's got tenacity to stay with us as, as well so yeah. it's been a long process I mean we're talking you know over four years now since we closed the original club so God has that been that long Yeah Wow Yep we the the, the New Year's Eve end of 2016 was our last night. That's so, amazing. And, uh, and Jimmy passed away the next morning. So yeah, really crazy, really crazy. Jeez, it doesn't seem that long. I know it seems like probably seems that long to you, but, but <laughs> I mean, right. there's another building sitting there now. Yeah, I know. It's it's really odd to drive by there and be like, yeah, what the hell is this? What is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah really. It's just yeah, it's, it, it is uh, it, it is definitely strange. But uh, there's a, there's a lot of that down there now in the Pearl. You know, yeah. a lot of those. Yeah. I mean, I mean, shoot, when I. God, when I when when Lisa and I started working for Jimmy in '97, that that neighborhood oh. looked completely <laughs> different than it does now. Yes, <laughs> that's when I moved to town. Oh, really? oh okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah. I mean, there were there, was, <laughs> there were very few high rises. I mean, I don't think there was hardly any buildings down there, more maybe three stories tall. That was it. Oh yeah, totally. totally. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and at, at that time, there were literally like four. Like residences, you had you had the the Mackenzie Lofts, John Pella, Honeyman, and then Irving Street. And those buildings were all tall and three stories, but maybe by just like four or five or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that was it. And there was there was a couple little tiny, uh, kind of uh, really like um, hand done lofts, if you will. People have just uh-huh. converted space on their own. Yeah. But that was it. The rest of it was all light industry. Yeah. That's that's yeah. when the, that's when the lowbrow lounge was really low, really lowbrow. Was truly lowbrow. Oh <laughs> <Really>? yeah. <laughs> I liked it back then. Oh, the place was great. That that was that place was a great hang, absolutely. Man, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been interesting to see that neighborhood uh, grow up, as it were. Yeah, really crazy. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so uh, I know you have uh, another thing going that you can't really talk too much about. How much can you say about it? Oh yeah, so we've been working on this. Uh, uh, Lisa and I were asked to come in and kind of help. Um, out with a uh, this project called the Portland Music uh, Portland Musicians Relief Fund, and uh, it's basically um, there's a musician that we worked with uh, on and off for a number of years at the club, who had uh, got this idea and has had to try to um, just to help people out during COVID musicians mm-hmm. 
were, you know, when COVID hit and the clubs closed down, the whole gig economy just came crashing down. Yeah. And so he, uh, he'd had a, a bit of an epiphany himself and was like, man, you know, I've got, I've got, he's not a man of a lot of means, but he's like, I can at least help out some people. And so he started sending out these, uh, uh, gift cards, like Safeway Albertsons, like, you know, here's a hundred dollar gift card, you know, at least put groceries on the table for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so then he contacted us like, hey, you guys know more musicians than I do. Um, and I said, you know, or, or people might be asking, can you can you help me verify if they're really, you know, they're, if they're really completely out of work? Cause, you know, some guys, music is a side gig, so they sell the regular gigs. And I'm like, yeah, sure, we can help. And so um, and uh, it kind of grew into something a little bit more substantial than that. And right now it's still kind of a work in progress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But to date, uh, we, to date, we've given out something like, oh, I want to say something like four or five thousand dollars in gift cards or huh. or just or just like uh-huh. you know, sending uh-huh. sending a check to somebody. Uh-huh. And uh just like I said for musicians and uh uh you know who you know and me we guys had there's had no income flow. And uh that's been really good that's that's been really, really, really good. Uh-huh. And so uh there's there's more where we had, we just did a video um uh, or they just completed a video now that's actually up on YouTube. And uh, and of uh, uh, a song that uh, you guys all wrote together called "When the Music Died," and it's very it's very tug at your heartstrings kind of thing. Yeah, uh, a nice uh, uh, photographic montage of the, the Portland music scene, which is really cool. And you can and, see uh, it. You can see it right on this page. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's great. It features um, uh, uh, a number of great uh, musicians from the Portland area, including our friend Andy Stokes. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's very cool. So there's a thing for GoFundMe. So if you, you know, people want to make a contribution there, it's cool. Right now, it's like I said, it's cool on the small scale, but we're kind of, we're still kind of working on the, 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 the framework to be prepared for it to be on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. You, you, you want to start a, um, a nonprofit, if you will. Uh, people don't really understand it. It is a very complicated yeah. and very, yeah long drawn out process there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of stuff that has to happen so we're kind of yep. we're not at that point yet but it's yeah. kind of in the yeah. right now so it's good good yeah good, good for you yeah it's been nice it's 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 uh i've done very little i mean i basically have, i've helped kind of identify a few people and and that's basically it but i've been also a sounding board for for uh the gentleman for max reese who's the guy who started this thing and that's been it's been good it's been it's been good for him too so it's it's cool it's making make, you know make people happy and it's it's funny you know, that said that, that uh, even a little thing like, hey, you know, you, you got your groceries covered for the next two weeks. That's that could be really huge. Yeah. You know, so it's, it, it's, the thing is, you know, it's the musicians who are going to get going to get well last. Yeah. Yeah. They're 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 at the bottom of the pecking order. You know, it's interesting, too, because you and I were having this conversation uh, uh, yesterday talking about uh, about um, uh, streaming shows. And it's interesting to me. um it never fails. Musicians uh, are, they really know how to scramble. And it, it's one of those things that goes back to, uh, it's really interesting that it goes back to the story about Leroy Vinegar when he first moved to Portland. And Mel told me that, you know, uh, that when Leroy got here, uh, got a lot of musicians around town were scared. They're like, well, man, he's going to take our gigs. You know, this guy's, <laughs> this guy from LA and stuff. Yeah. And so a lot of guys wouldn't, they wouldn't hire him. And, and he, he could not, he couldn't, get a gig anyplace because everybody was like scared oh, wow. so he created wow. the gig up at atwaters what a he great what a, what a great when i first moved here yeah i mean i did think, i mean it was I, I it was 35 stories up and i thought i was in heaven yes right 
that that hang was so legendary. Yeah. And Leroy created that gig out of the clear blue sky. If, if I'm remembering the story correctly from Mel, he actually, I think he approached him and he actually was introduced to Mel because he was looking for somebody to do his taxes. Uh-huh. And they got introduced <laughs> and they started. Yeah. And so, well, they got talking and all of a sudden they realized they have all these guys in common that knew each other. And, uh, and so then they started playing and they got Joffley in there and, and, uh, you know, that was, that, that was that, but that's, that's so, but my point is, you know, Leroy went and created this gig where a gig didn't exist. And I've, I've seen a lot of musicians. And it's funny because Mel's son, Chris has done this as well, as well as a lot of other young guys I've seen around town. They will go and, and create gigs at places that were, where there was no music before. Uh-huh. And, they, and, they, and once they can, if they have their stuff together, they can, you know, show these venues, say, hey, you know, we can actually bring more. And they, they build something from nothing. And so I'm watching people start doing these streaming stuff. Although, as we said uh, yesterday, uh, you know, uh, sometimes streams aren't so good. Sometimes the audio is not so good uh, or the video is not so good. But mm-hmm. they're still getting up their their thing out there and, you know, driving some income from it. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you can you can push musicians down, but they always keep finding ways to make to get the music out there and to get somebody to pay for it, which is nice. So, so but I, I, I just want it. I definitely want to see it. You know, I want to see the gig economy come back. And so yeah. I think streaming is going to be a, a part of that. Uh, but it's definitely going to have to get better and have a higher quality product. It's one of the things we're looking at for the new German acts, too. So, yeah. Uh, I remember I interviewed uh, Les McCann one time. <clears throat> and, of course, Leroy <laughs> was his bodyguard, really. You know, because yeah. Lester's such a smart ass, and he would get in trouble for being a smart ass. And <laughs> Leroy would be standing behind him, going like, "You don't do that," you know. <laughs> and I didn't hear, you know, I, I didn't hear the good stories. <laughs> oh man, I I, I I I I can tell you. So so, when the first time Les came and played, uh, was was in town. Uh, uh, Tim Gallino had him at the Blue Monk. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I can't remember the, the this the drummer's name. Uh, who kind of facilitated it, and um, and uh, but he wasn't a very very good drummer. Did not have a very good time, and so unless of course you know Les's left hand wasn't it nearly what it was when he was in his heyday because he mm-hmm. had a, he had a minor stroke. Yeah, and so he really needed he needed somebody he needed a strong left hand as it were. Yeah, and so uh, and Ramsey Embic had actually brought down huh. a, a keyboard with weighted weighted keys for him for for the gig, uh-huh. but he played so he'd missed the. The rehearsal. Well, when he got there, Les was just hanging out, so they started talking. And of course, Ramsey got this long history being the LA scene and stuff as well. And yeah. they started chatting about, let's, well, let's play some. So Ramsey sat down. They had a, a little uh, Hammond A100 down there. He started playing. They started playing with each other. And Les finally, man, you got to do the gig me tonight. And so he did, <laughs> and it was great because Ramsey's Ramsey's time is so good. He kind of he held that together. And uh, and uh, but. <laughs> I'm not sure how deep I can go with this, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I, I, I get down there, and Tim takes me back to, 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 to with Mel, and Mel's in his you know suit yeah. and his overcoat and the whole just he yeah. decked out. And we go back, and we, they got less than like this oversized broom closet. It's like a green room, <laughs> uh, some, you know, as it were. And uh, I Les remember takes, that. Yeah. Les takes one look at Mel and says, "Mel Brown, show me your dick." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> I literally, my jaw hit the ground. I'm like, and then he looks at me and goes, he goes, this motherfucker gets all the best gigs. So you know he's got a big dick. Come on, Mel. Come on. I'm like, oh my God. I was so mortified. I just, I just, I, 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 I color all went on the face. And Mel just had, you know, that, that smile on his face, like, oh, oh boy. Oh, God. It was so 
That's great. And, uh, and uh, they got out there and it was a great show. And so years later, uh, Javon Jackson uh, had, uh, brought uh, brought Les in uh, to come play Jimmy Max at the, at, at the last incarnation of the club. And um, and uh, and he uh, and Les, uh, his handler, asked Lisa, Les would really like a, you know, a shot of vodka. And, and Javon had been like, you know, we really shouldn't give him any alcohol. And uh, and so Lisa's like, you know, what the hell do I do? So she goes back to the kitchen. She asks Jimmy. Jimmy's back there washing dishes. And uh, and she says, oh, what do I do? And he's like, if the man wants a shot of vodka, give him a shot of vodka. <laughs> oh, okay, great. So he said that one shot turned into more than a, a couple. And so after the gig, met with that. Les is in the back bar, back bar. And some of the guys are hanging out. So and it's funny because Christian and Brian were talking about earlier. Christian was in town playing at the uh, at the Schnitz with Roy Haynes and his, his mountain youth band yeah. with Chick Corea and Kenny Garrett. Uh-huh. So uh, Christian and Kenny came down to the club, come see, come come hang out, come see, uh, uh, come see uh, Les and Javon's up. So they're in the back there and, and Les back there telling stories. And when you talk about blues stories, man, these were purple. <laughs> I mean, this was like, it, it, I mean, the language, I, I, I was like, man, my ears, I was like, I can't even, even I can't even hear this. And even then the guys were like, instead of going, whoa, it got deep. And Javon's like, oh my God, you gave him alcohol. You can't give him any alcohol. <laughs> so, he was so, he was That's so funny. That's funny. A Blue Monk was a nice little club, you know, I really, it, oh, you know, Tim, you know, really, really tried hard. You know. he, he tried so hard, at, you know, and uh, his partner Chris Joseph, Chris and I go way back as well, uh, and uh, to about that for Buddy's man back in the day, and um, uh, but yeah, the, the uh, you know, it was a great spot, and uh, the, the 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 thing that they got hamstrung by there, and it's funny because on one, in some ways, it should have been a great thing, but it also really cut them off was being in that neighborhood. Yes, you know, because yeah. there was there was absolutely no place to park. Nope. And those were the days before uh, ride sharing and stuff. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, getting down in there, it was, it was, you, you really had to be motivated to go, to go and see that place, yep. you know? Yep. And, uh, yep. and it was a bummer because they did, you know, it was a simple menu, but it was really well executed. And you had, you know, and Chris was one of the great bar minds in the history of Portland bartending. And really? so yet uh, yeah. they, they did stuff right there. You know, good booze, good beer. The thing is, now I admire those guys, and and I like them, and they they did a wonderful job, but they were Red Sox fans. And that was at at the time when the Orioles went 15 years under 500. And they would not let up on me, especially when they got drunk. When they got drunk, it was terrible. They just beat the living shit out of me. About you know, you're an Orioles fan. You had it coming. <laughs> no, no, because oh. Red Sox fans became worse than Yankee fans. Uh, in some ways, they did. After they started that... winning and then won a World Series, it was ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's like, well, it's funny though because you know, usually when they were when they were beating up on Orioles fans, it's because they've been getting beaten up by the Yankees. They needed they needed to piss on somebody else. Well, the Orioles <laughs> beat them up also for year for decades. You know, they weren't yeah. that okay. shitty teams. I remember one time I was on a on a uh, blues cruise at the blues festival, and those two guys were just out of their mind drunk, and they were <laughs> would not let up. They wouldn't. I had to. Go, I had to. I had to go downstairs below deck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, they, yeah, definitely. Yeah, great, great. Joseph, the Joseph. Uh, yeah, they're those guys are all big Red Sox fans. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's, that's too funny. 
Yeah, I have no. It's funny. I I, I haven't I, I haven't really started thinking about baseball yet, but it's coming. Really interesting. You know, it's uh, I, I'm going to be curious to see how the, how my Giants are this year. Uh-huh. It's going to be an interesting season. So we'll we'll see. It won't be interesting for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, they're going to start a, coming next year. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The, rook, well, the rookies are going to start coming. You know, they, and they just they just they just started building the 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 largest and best equipped um baseball academy in the Dominican Republic that's just they just they just started that interesting oh, well, okay the ownership of the uh, the Orioles didn't even didn't did had, had no presence there they never signed any Dominicans yeah it's like dude that, that that's that that's the baseball mecca of the world yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh god yeah <laughs> um it's uh, it's uh you know it, what's interesting about the American League East is that now there's 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 this kind of shifting because now the the Rays are becoming uh, you know they're they're becoming a consistent presence there. Yeah, and it's like man, I mean it's like that that that's already a brutal division, and right. it just got harder. Oh my god, man! Well, the Orioles yeah. are going to have a good outfield this year. They got yeah. they got two really fast guys, three three fast guys, and come a couple of them hit with power. But the thing that's coming up, of course, is the catcher from Oregon State, Adley Rutschman. Who was the first draft choice yeah. overall? Oh, I, didn't realize, I didn't realize that they had drafted him. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. He hasn't had a chance to play very much because the minors, you know, didn't didn't have, didn't have a season last year. Right. Right. But uh, he's going to start in Double A, and he'll be he, he may be here before the end of the year. But they, you know, they, but they're, the big thing that they have coming up is a, they have a whole bunch of pitchers. That, well, that, because that's they, the game, so, they sure don't yeah. have any. They sure don't have any now. <laughs> <laughs> They got yeah, guys. They, they got guys like they had like during the fifteen years of misery, when I they didn't feel, uh, they didn't, didn't finish over five hundred, and they were just bums. They were just the worst. They got yeah. what, what's his name, Jose somebody. They got now who's look. It's just been a bum his entire career, and he's going to yeah. be in the starting rotation. That's just anyway. I, Nobody I was, wants I, to hear about the, the Baltimore Orioles. I know that. I understand I, I, that. Maybe someday, because there there, there aren't aren't not that many baseball fans in Portland to begin with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it will be interesting. A friend of mine actually has been working on the uh, the the Portland Diamond Project, and so it's of course everything with COVID is on hold right now. But he's like, there, the money's still there. They're still really interested. So yeah, yeah. Wow. uh, At least the last time we talked, that was that was a little while ago. But uh, but they're still they're still interested in that. So I'm like, oh well, you know. It'd be great. I mean, I, I I don't know. I mean, you know, when when I first moved here in 1990, they still had the Portland Beavers playing here, which I grew up yeah. seeing them play yeah. in the PCL because they they you know my, the right. Hawaiian Islanders would play them. Right. And right. Uh, and um, and and I went to a few Beavers games, and you know that Civic Stadium was a great baseball park. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. For, for being yeah. a minor league baseball park, it was a great sure. place to watch games. And they had the and, Jansen, They had the Jansen beat Beauty. Yeah, oh, yeah. That the yeah. the uh, st- the, uh, statue of a uh, the Jansen girl. Right, right. That's yeah. right. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but then you know the Beavers went away, and then they brought the Rockies had they brought in an, uh, an A League team in here. You know the the numbers were uh, obviously not very big. It's, it's A ball, but man, that was fun to watch. But they the had in on one year they had they had um, uh, uh, Pierre and and Sean Figgins. Yeah. Juan Pierre and Sean Figgins on the same same eight eighteen on an eighteen right yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. and the thing is you know if if, if, if you know if, if you've never seen a league ball it's like these guys are you know most of these guys you know are never going to make it to, to the to the show right. which is not right yeah. but so when you see these guys play they're it's still like they they make mistakes so, you know they, every every single 
every single grounder, those guys are dogging it out. Right. Because they might make, they, right. you know, the guy might not make the play. It's not yes. automatic. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so, and so at the result, you see pretty exciting baseball. Yeah. You know, have, have you seen the, have you been to see the pickles? You know, I have not been out to see the pickles. Oh, it's fun. Every, every time I, I, it comes to mind, I can never make the time make the time happen. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I would I'd rather see the pickles than the, than the hops. To, t- to tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, Probably for, just because of the I, name. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I I actually prefer watching college baseball in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when the, when the Beavers are going through their run, and uh, we have a, a, a dear family friend of ours uh, who's been calling UH baseball games for years, uh-huh. the University of Hawaii games. And uh, Don comes up to uh, Portland every once in a while. And he was in town a couple years back. The Rainbows came to play in a, uh, or they call them the Warriors now, but they came to play in a tournament here, and they played down in Civic Stadium. And uh, and then uh, and he said he'd call his games, and it was you know the springtime. It's March or April, but it was freezing cold. It was like 35 <laughs> degrees. So this poor guy, you know, is from Hawaii, it's just sitting there freezing his balls off, calling these games. It was, but it was fun though. Are you was, uh, are you not old? Time. Are you not old enough to have seen the AAA team in Hawaii? Oh, no, I did. Well, did I went you? to Islanders games when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. What were they called? The Hawaii Islanders. The Islanders, yeah. 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 That was actually, it's funny. If you ever read, um, uh, uh, oh, God, uh, Al Michaels' uh, autobiography, uh-huh. that's one of his very first gigs was calling really? games for the Islanders. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, he, but he was calling in the 60s before, before I was going to see him. But, yeah, nope. I would watch him. Mel Proctor did play-by-play for them, I think. Uh, yes, I think that's right. But I think, I, again, yeah. I think that was before I was going to see games. I you think know, I was going to see them early seventies. Listen, if anybody's still listening, I mean, it's it's, it's it's obscure enough talking about jazz musicians. It, there, there's only one guy. It's going to be Ryan Mayer. He's the only one that's paying uh, oh funny. man! All right. Well, listen, man. I appreciate this. Best oh, of dude. luck with the with 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 the club. Best of luck with the uh, the uh, the organization. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. It's always man. And as soon as as soon as we know more, and I've got some more definitive stuff, you'll be knowing about it. Okay, man. Thanks a lot. You bet. Thanks, Tom. And Have a you good know, one. as we always say at the end of these things, that's entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> 